When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to A to Z Sports, powered by the Venom Team app. I'm Austin Stanley, he's Sam Balin, in for Zach Bingham today. Make sure you follow us all over social media as we are Nashville's on-demand sports talk network going live every weekday morning at 8 central time on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Links to the show on our Twitter timeline. Also hit us up on Instagram and TikTok as well. Uh, Got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for us and they help out you guys like our friends at Wilson County Hyundai who have great deals for you this holiday season. So make sure you make Wilson County Hyundai in Lebanon a part of your new car buying process at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Better coverage rates and service. Learn more about a health plan for you. FBHP.com slash ATOZ. The Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org. The region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Plus, Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers, the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. If you've been injured in a car wreck, call Hughes and Coleman for a free case consultation at 800-800-4600. So, Sam, uh, a lot of stuff to continue to unpack. And I went through, you know, I, I bought toys for the 104.5 The Zone toy field, so I still had to go drop those off at Nissan Stadium after our reaction show. Uh, so, at that point, I was able to talk to Buck right after Buck right after a buck got off the air uh, at eight, on his show on 104.5 The Zone. Uh, and then Buck did primetime last night. I watched that. And then Buck had a report uh, this morning that I do think uh, we, we need to address. And the fact is that Buck and also some other sources when it comes to uh, A to Z sports, we were able to confirm a report uh, that came out of Adam Schefter Yesterday, Adam Schefter said on NFL uh, on ESPN that, quote, this is a situation where the owner, Amy Adams Strunk, was not particularly happy with John Robinson, and she decided to make the change this morning, uh, Schefter said Tuesday. So she fired John Robinson a year after she gave him a long-term contract extension. He's got four years after uh, his contract. And uh, Schefter continued, now a lot of people around the league have called up and asked all day long, wondering if there's something more to this, if something happened. Schefter said, I've been told that's not the case. This is a simple decision of the owner wanting to go in a different direction. And A to Z Sports has been able to confirm that with multiple sources. And Buck wrote this morning uh, at A to Z Sports.com, quote from Buck, according to sources, Robinson's compounding mistakes have been wearing on Tennessee's ownership for some time. While Vrabel and Robinson have led to disagreements uh, with personnel decisions, there was no public or private undermining of former GM John Robinson by the coach Mike Vrabel. Uh, That hasn't occurred. So Robinson and Vrabel had a healthy working relationship during their time together. So again, that is Buck Rising's report uh, this morning. So there was no Mike Vrabel lobbying for John Robinson to be fired right now. This is all Amy Adams strong. So Sam, what's your reaction to that reporting this morning from uh, Buck rising at a to Z sports.com? 
Yeah, I'm not sure it's a huge surprise to me just knowing Mike Vrabel and how he's tended to operate within the Titans organization that even if he had some arguments or disagreements with John Robinson on personnel decisions, uh, that he would, it doesn't shock me that he's not lobbying for change to be made or anything, despite what has felt like some built up frustration on Vrabel's end in terms of the roster and the hand that he has been dealt this season. Uh, I do think it factors into the decision. We, I talked to, at, at large yesterday about how I felt Amy Adams Strunk was committing and investing in Mike Vrabel with this decision to move on from John Robinson, almost like she has two arguing children and she took Mike's side. And she said, uh, from what I've seen, Mike has proven to be right. And this is who I'm riding with moving forward. So if Amy Adams Strunk was aware that Mike had some uh, – reservations to some of these roster moves, especially some of these bigger roster moves. And then she sees how they play out and sees that maybe John got them wrong. Uh, that can give her reason to empower Mike going forward and uh, make a change from her general manager. So I'm not sure it's a huge surprise, but I do think it shows you a little bit of a behind the scenes look at maybe what we were looking at from the dynamics here between these three powerful people within the organization. Sure. And Amy Adams Strunk knows what's going on and what's being said about uh, her franchise. I mean, I, I met Amy Adams Strunk at a, at Floyd Reese's celebration of life uh, earlier this summer. And I introduced myself, Hey, I'm Austin. And she goes, Austin, I know who you are. We watch like, like we, we know, we know. And that just tells you that Amy Adams Strunk knows everything that's being said about her organization. And so, you know, somebody said in the comment here that uh, uh, Buck uh, called it Sunday night. Yeah, Buck wrote in his postgame column at Philadelphia, his first sentence was, trading wide receiver A.J. Brown away this offseason is as close to a fireable offense as you can find in the NFL. That, that's Buck's first line from that column. And I don't think Buck thought it was going to happen right now, um, uh, but that's, that's the case there. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of public humiliation uh, that came along with what happened in the fallout with the AJ Brown trade, but we have to be honest. AJ Brown did not single-handedly get John Robinson fired. This is a, I think three off seasons worth of roster mismanagement that ended up with A.J. Brown being the nail in the coffin and John Robinson being out. So, Sam, I told everybody I would do this uh, here uh, today on the morning show. I've got, and the irony is strong, hmm. I've got 11 dominoes that then ended with number 11 being traded away as the nail in the coffin for John Robinson's job as Titans GM. So I'm about to run through these 11 dominoes and where I think it's where it started. The first mess up for John Robinson that I think started to frustrate Amy Adams Strunk. And then as it materialized throughout the last few off seasons, it continued to get worse and worse. But first let me tell you guys about Wilson County Hyundai, WilsonCountyHyundai.com is where you need to go. Go see them in Lebanon. And look, it's the holiday season. You all see the commercials of the big red bows on the cars. 
a lot of that is, uh, you know, taking advantage of you uh, and, and trying to dupe you into buying some ridiculous car that you don't need or, for, or could afford uh, for the holidays. But Payne Bone and his team at Wilson County Hyundai, they will treat you the right way because it's about family. It's a family-owned company at Wilson County Hyundai in Lebanon. And again, we've been working with them for three plus years. Uh, they know how to treat their customers and their people uh, like family. So go check them out. Payne Bone, CMC is team in Lebanon, Wilson County Hyundai. The Hyundai uh, product is phenomenal. Top-notch technology across all of their different models. So go see them and see what they have to offer. If you're shopping for uh, your spouse, your son, your daughter, whoever it might be, WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Today's show is powered by BetMGM. I call BetMGM the king of sportsbooks. You see it down on your screen there for a reason, because they have offers like this, because with promo code ATOZ Sports on the BetMGM app, you can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 on pro football. So whatever your pick is this weekend that you're all in on and just have a feeling about in your gut, make sure you place it on BetMGM and, and use that promo code, because if you do, and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, no worries, risk-free money back into your account with a chance to win again. That's a risk-free bet up to $1,000 on pro football when you use promo code ATOZ Sports on the BetMGM app. All right, it is Esports Live on this Wednesday, going through my 11 dominoes, plus then trading away A.J. Brown, number 11, that was the nail in the coffin uh, for John Robinson as Titans general manager. So my main research project, Sam, was I wanted to figure out what was the start? What was the first tick over of the domino that created the chain effect of John Robinson getting fired halfway through his seventh season when he's never had a losing season. They've made it to the playoffs uh, several years in a row. They've won the division two years in a row on their way to winning the division for a third year uh, in a row. So, Here's the first domino. It's the free agent signing of Vic Beasley. That is where I settled as the first domino for John Robinson. Because Vic Beasley, who was signed as a free agent in the spring of 2020, March 2020, off the heels of um, the Titans AFC championship uh, run, right? Because everything was great. The Titans just fell short in the AFC title game to the Chiefs with a solid uh, quarterback, running back duo, and a really good unit of a defense. But trading or signing Vic Beasley as the headliner of that free agency class, in my opinion, was the domino that started this chain effect for John Robinson. So everything before then, John Robinson was able to correct. And I see Joe Williams say, Kevin Dodd. Ah, Kevin Dodd was John Robinson's first draft. Kevin Dodd was corrected. The Titans were able to overcome that mistake of drafting Kevin Dodd 33rd overall. So Vic Beasley signing a $9.5 million deal was the first domino. So uh, Sam, the second and third domino came in the 2020 draft. Drafting Isaiah Wilson... 29th overall that is in my opinion the biggest NFL draft bust in league history nobody did less than Isaiah Wilson did for the franchise that drafted them 
in the first round. I, I think that is pretty clear there. That is the second domino. And Sam, feel free to cut me off if you want to. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a little bit relevant objectively correct. Nobody did less for the team that drafted them because he didn't do a single thing. Uh, so it's hard to do worse, but uh, I do think draft position matters a little bit when you assess yeah. the biggest bust. I mean, he was back into the first round, hardly even a first round pick. I mean, you know, from my Chicago ties, I had to sit through a top, I think it was the sixth pick in the draft. They drafted the bears drafted Kevin white who had four career catches for them and uh, his bears career. He was the number six overall draft pick. So, I mean, I'm just saying, like draft position does matter when you sure. when you make statements like biggest draft yeah, bust I, ever. I, there's yeah, a lot but, of guys in the top ten, top five that haven't done a whole lot either. Oh yeah, but you said Kevin White had four career catches. Uh, Isaiah Wilson played four career snaps. Yeah, but One I of, mean, uh, no, again, four career snaps. One of them was on a an extra point where he got knocked over, and then the other three snaps were on kneel downs. This he literally what, did not play in a live snap. I was with, a. I'm with Gator hater. I think Ryan Leaf would have a lot to say about Ryan that. Leaf won four games in the NFL. Kevin White caught four passes and Isaiah Wilson played four snaps that led with a kick and three kneel downs. Yeah, I mean, no he thing. did less. I agree with you. He did less, but I mean, <laughs> that's like, my point. Th it's the difference between a home run top. I think it was number two overall. Ryan Leaf was and. Uh, yes. So let's, like, let's also say this. Now, now you have to remember, uh, you know, what, how did the team correct that mistake? And I think drafting Isaiah Wilson as the second domino here, that's where the Titans current offensive line situation is this way because of Isaiah Wilson. Right. Um, so then I continue. So I've gone through my first two dominoes, Vic Beasley, Isaiah Wilson. I think an underrated big bust for John Robinson is missing on Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans was a third-round pick running back out of Appalachian State who you thought would do a lot more. You thought he would be dynamic, a playmaker in the passing game and the rushing game. Now, it's not that big of a deal, but Darrington Evans did zilch uh, for this team as well. So you're talking about you know your, your first-round pick and your third-round pick from a single draft that did nothing for you. Christian Fulton is sandwiched between them and you like Fulton, but that is the third domino that I have here. Yeah, and then rounding out the 2020 offseason that had four dominoes itself, signing Jadavian Clowney. Because Jadavian Clowney's signing, along with Vic Beasley's signing, was John Robinson taking $22 million of Amy Adams' shrunk money, holding it in his hand, and lighting it with a, with a torch. Like $22 million that the Titans got zero production out of. And the pass rush was an issue that entire season. They invested $22 million into it and got zero from it. So four big dominoes from the 2020 uh, offseason of Beasley, Clowney, and the draft picks of Wilson and Darrington Evans. What are your thoughts there? Well, I like Evans that you pointed it out too. Like running back in the, th like, it's easy to like forget about Darrington Evans as a, a big miss, as you said, because it's a third round pick. It's not as like front of mind. Yeah. But drafting a running back in the third round, you better produce. Like we see running backs that become thousand yard rushers and like massive, massive uh, talents in this league going in the fifth round regularly nowadays. Like it doesn't really matter where you're picked. If you're, 
drafted as a running back, you're usually one of maybe 10 to 15 backs that are getting actually drafted in the NFL draft. Like Mm -hmm. you have to produce, especially at that high end. I would be interested. I actually, I'll do it right now because I have it up. I'd like to see where he was among the running backs that were drafted in that draft class. Cause I look at it, I'm scrolling through right now. You had one drafted in the first round, number 32 overall, the chiefs took Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Deandre Swift goes 35. Jonathan Taylor goes 41. Uh, JK Dobbins, AJ Dillon, Darrington Evans, right after him. You've got Zach Moss. Uh, you've got, uh, P Ryan, LaMichael P Ryan. So he starts like this trend of mm-hmm. these guys that fell off, but he's right up there with a bunch of contributors. If you get picked at that level, um, you better contribute. And also I think we need to address like position of need, yeah. like not really. So that yeah, that's a you, big you question. Mark. I there... like that you had that one on there. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's again, a really a, a draft pick that you need to count on. So that, again, that's the four, dominoes from the 2020 offseason going through my 11 dominoes before trading away number 11 as the nail in the coffin uh but so now i switch towards uh the 2021 uh offseason too okay so there's two themes here there is draft misses and also spending big dollars that don't help you and i think those two things as themes is where Amy Adams Strunk, as Buck reported, was growing tired of the roster mismanagement with uh, John Robinson. So, 2021 offseason. First, the free agent signing of $82 million for Bud Dupree coming off of an ACL tear. Bud Dupree, I think, when playing, has been good. Is he worth $82 million or an average of $16.5 million a year? Probably not, even when he's been on the field. But we know that he's been dealing with injuries that with a hip uh, and core and all types of things because, as Bud, Bud Dupree has said out of his mouth, as recent as last week, that the injuries that he's been dealing with under the Titans were stemming from his ACL. So, again, at the time, I said, ah, I don't like spending. When you come off one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL – you go throw $82 million for a guy coming off of an ACL. I didn't like it at the time. I, I, that's documented on these shows, on these channels. So $82 million to Bud Dupree is a big one. Now, here's the other one. It's not a lot of money, but it was the start of a problem. The signing of Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds' whiff was the beginning of the offensive line domino effect because Isaiah Wilson was the beginning of the uh offensive line domino effect. So signing and missing on Josh Reynolds signals the wide receiver problem officially begins. Then you get to the 2021 draft, Sam, and there are three, three terrible, terrible whiffs from John Robinson. It just keeps getting worse from there. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so it's Caleb Farley, a gamble. That's a bust Dylan Radins. You're chasing the Isaiah Wilson mistake that leads to a bust and then Des freaking Fitzpatrick who you traded up to, to get at wide receiver again, making the wide receiver mistake 
an issue even worse because there's guys like Amon Ross St. Brown who are bona fide dudes. Three picks after him? Yes. Three picks after him. Des Fitzpatrick picked at 109, Amon Ross St. Brown at 112. Imagine how that changes the course of the Tennessee Titans if you get that one right. I mean, that is, yeah. To your yeah, point, and, like. and Donald says making a mistake to try to make a mistake. And then uh, I did see, uh, you know, uh, somebody also say that uh, Josh Reynolds didn't really get a chance. Well, Josh Reynolds didn't get a chance because he was hurt. It was another situation where John Robinson was signing a player who was hurt. And then Josh Reynolds wasn't doing anything. And then he went to the Lions and started doing things. And so, uh, so those are the three NFL draft um uh whiffs there then i think here's a big kicker too this is the 10th domino sam it's the julio jones trade and apparently there was more reporting that came out of this yesterday that mike vrabel was not necessarily as sold or bought in on the idea of trading for julio jones but julio jones trade because it, it was twofold it wasn't the fact that you gave up a second round pick and you brought on and Julio Jones and it didn't work but for the Julio Jones trade to work financially you had to restructure Ryan Tannehill's contract and that put the Titans in a tough spot where Ryan Tannehill's cap hit is astronomical so you it's it's a twofold burn of Julio didn't work out on the field and it put Ryan Tannehill's deal in a really tough spot so that is my 10th domino, and it's probably one of the bigger ones. And we're going to ask you guys, what is the biggest mistake um, that John Robinson uh, has here in a second? The 11th domino is a current situation. Cutting Roger Saffold made sense as a general manager move. Cutting Roger Saffold was good general managing from John Robinson. The problem is is not replacing Roger Saffold is having Roger Saffold, who was dealing with multiple injuries needed multiple uh, surgeries after that season. That's that was a fine. Okay. Decision replacing him with Aaron Brewer and riding and dying with Aaron Brewer as your left guard to replace Saffold. That is the 11th domino. And again, so, Everybody started to answer what's the biggest mistake that a that John Robinson made with AJ Brown. AJ Brown is the nail in the coffin. AJ Brown is what set it over the edge. AJ Brown is what kicked John Robinson off the cliff. So the question we want to uh, ask here, and I actually before we get to that, McLean, there's a lot of good comments from you guys coming in, so we'll we'll get to a lot of those. McLean says Austin missed the biggest domino, arguably the first one. Letting Jack Conklin go. I have my opinion on this, Sam. Do you have an opinion on that from McLean? Because I disagree with McLean here. Um, yeah, I think I, t- I tend to side more with you. I don't know. I will get into my thoughts on that. Because okay. I have an overall sort of uh, thing that I want to go over a little bit later on. And that's kind of, it, it's grouped in a little bit. So I, okay, will go I got you. It. So uh, just like I said, Cutting Roger Saffold was good general managing from uh, John Robinson. And I think the situation that we have to remember at the time that uh, Jack Conklin left, that was the right business move. It was the failure to replace him 
with multiple, multiple swings. Like there was a strikeout, like Jack Conklin leaving. That's fine. The Titans should not have paid Jack Conklin $18 million a year. The off season after paying Taylor Lewan a bunch of money, paying Lewan was the right move. Letting Jack Conklin leave was the right move, but whiffing on Isaiah Wilson, whiffing on Dylan Radins and all the other, like Kendall Lamb, Ty Sam Brilo, uh, Dennis Kelly. There's a lot of tackle swings and misses in between uh, the cutting of Jack Conklin. So I don't think cutting Jack Conklin is an issue here. But so let's go ahead and ask this question and get all you guys here in a second. And uh, again, Mac Daddy says uh, Jack Conklin should have had his fifth year option picked up. No, Mac Daddy, because that was after uh, Jack Conklin tore his ACL after the Titans lost in the playoffs and they could not pick up his fifth year option at that point. It would have made no sense. It would have made no sense. So, uh, all right, now let's officially ask this question. What was John Robinson's biggest mistake pre-AJ Brown trade? So what was John Robinson's biggest mistake pre-AJ Brown trade? But Sam, first tell everybody about Hughes and Colbert. Yep, we have to talk about, let me pull up the graphic here. Hughes and Coleman. Hughes and Coleman is the official injury lawyers of the Tennessee Titans. If you've been injured in a car wreck, you need to call Hughes and Coleman for your free case consultation. Their phone number, it's pretty easy. Pretty easy to remember. It's 800-800-4600. So they have all the resources you need to go fight for you, fight those insurance companies, get you every dollar you deserve if for your injuries uh, in a car wreck. So uh, Hughes and Coleman has recovered up to $1 billion for their clients in Tennessee and Kentucky over the last 30 years. Testament to the work they do. So get your free co- case consultation. Call 800-800-4600 for Hughes and Coleman Injury Lawyers Principal Office, Nashville, Tennessee. Also, download the BetMGM app and use our code ATOZ Sports. That means you get a risk free bet on pro football up to your uh, $1,000 with your first bet on pro football. So it's a great way uh, to start your sports betting career. If you're using another app, another sports book, and you don't like it, or you just want an opportunity for a fresh start, BetMGM can do that with a risk free bet on pro football up to $1,000 when you download the app. Use our code ATOZ Sports when you sign up, make your first deposit, and then there you go. Risk free bet on pro football up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 or older, Tennessee only new customer offer. All promotions, social qualification, eligible requirements. Rewards issued as knowledgeable for free bets for site credit for best expired seven days. For problem and gambling support, call Tennessee Redline 800 889 9789. Sam and I here live discussing the firing of John Robinson by Amy Adam Strunk here on this Wednesday. I went through my 11 dominoes uh, before the nail in the coffin that was the trade of A.J. Brown. Uh, Sam, I'm going to roll through my dominoes again just in case more people jump in as the audience continues to grow and grow. I appreciate all you guys watching on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Make sure you like the show while you're at it wherever you are watching. Give us a thumbs up there. So uh, the question, what was John Robinson's biggest mistake pre AJ Brown trade. So pre AJ Brown trade, my 11 dominoes, Sam, I'll run through them quickly. Uh, if it loads here. All right. My 11 dominoes, one, 
Vic Beasley's free agent signing. Two, Isaiah Wilson draft pick. Three, Darrington Evans draft pick. Four, Judavian Clowney's free agent signing. Five, Bud Dupree's $82 million deal. Six, Josh Reynolds free agent with beginning the wide receiver issues. Uh, seven, Caleb Farley's draft pick. Eight, Dylan Radin's draft pick. Nine, Des Fitzpatrick draft pick. Ten, the Julio Jones trade plus Ryan Tannehill restructure. And then 11, failing to replace Roger Saffold. Those are the 11 pre-trading away number 11. So what is John Robinson's biggest mistake uh, before trading away A.J. Brown? Sam, I'll send you the chat. There's a ton of comments. So uh, best of luck reading everybody's opinions. Yeah. Brandon's got uh, got to be the missed draft hits for me. Timothy says not signing a left tackle. Jimbo says Julio Jones. Uh, you have to cause him to have to let A.J. go. I don't know if they're directly related, but uh, Julio no. Jones was a, a botch for the the draft capital and the money that was associated with that as, as well, a separate kind of issue there. But uh, Ryan Tannehill is the issue from Chris Terry. Uh, Isaiah Wilson from Billy Jones. Um, Caleb Farley from Mr. Jones. Trying to scroll through here. Draft misses from – pick a specific one. Draft misses is a pretty easy, like, overall thing. Pick pick a draft pick uh, that you think was really a, a big mistake. Uh, Darian Smith thinks it's Vic Beasley. He agrees with you on the, the first domino, yeah. at least. Um, That's where it all started, right? Because everything was great. Everything was uh, happy and dandy. You had, you had Vrabel. You had the quarterback. You had the running back. You had the defensive core. You had a solid offensive line and playmakers. Once you go to the AFC title game, and Vic Beasley was the first domino that you tried to fix something and add and bolster uh, to the pass rush there. Uh, Matt Drew thinks it's Corey Davis, Jonu Smith. Denise says uh, Jayon Brown. Evans and crap QBs drafted. Um, Let's pause there because I, I did have, when I had my master list, Sam, of mistakes, drafting Cole McDonald was on there because it was just a waste of a draft pick because they cut him two true. weeks after camp started. <laughs> it was a waste of a draft pick. Now it was a sixth or seventh round pick, so it's not like you're wasting that much. But, uh, you know, Luke Falk was also terrible. So, but though again, those were not big enough to make or to – you know, be a part of the firing of John Robinson. Devin Mills says paying Taylor Luan. And we have a uh, super chat up here saying, could we have found a way to keep Corey Davis and not having the wide receiver problems? And you still have one elite wide receiver and one good one to go with Henry. All right. I'm a, it, that groups into what I'm going to talk about, because okay. I, I think there is a slam dunk unquestioned worst move. John Robinson ever made in his tenure i think it affected everything else in a negative way from that point on so when you talk about a true domino some of those things are just like on the list of like oh he made that mistake but there's no real butterfly effect mm -hmm. i think there is a direct domino effect that tanked the trajectory of the titans associated with drafting isaiah wilson uh and for the obvious reasons, the obvious reasons of using a first round pick on a bust uh, offensive tackle that played what you four career snaps for your team, mm -hmm. um, an incredible, incredible swing and a miss. But number one, Austin, I got a couple things here associated with this. I want to hear your thoughts on or or just 
lay out the argument. You drafted Isaiah Wilson post Taylor Luan extension. So you already had that money tied up into offensive tackle. I want to get that on the record. Keep that in mind. Here are players you passed on by drafting Isaiah Wilson. These are players drafted in, in the round immediately after Isaiah Wilson, which we said he was right at the end of the first round. These are early second round picks and guys that got picked throughout the second round. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Hurts. So in terms of where is your need, you had money already tied up into Taylor Lewan. You draft an offensive tackle, completely swing and missed, massive bust, doesn't play for your team. And when you look at the events that took place in the, the years following, you, you let Corey Davis walk. You didn't even make him an offer, according to Corey Davis, that you didn't even really give him uh, a chance to come back, even though he, as well as AJ said, I, he wanted to stay. You then had to correct not having Corey Davis, wanted to fix your wide receiver problems, traded two draft picks for Julio Jones, uh, and ultimately put some draft capital and money into the position with no production there. When again, Michael Pittman Jr., T. Higgins, Chase Claypool, right at the top of that draft. You drafted Caleb Farley the year after to try and help uh, your secondary get younger, get a a brighter future, and you took a big risk trying to hit a home run on a defensive back. Again, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, two elite corners in the NFL, both taking 15 or so picks after him. Overall, this is the move for John Robinson that I think started to snowball, and he maybe started to overcorrect for, in my opinion, trying to make up for, get things on the right track, take a bigger risk, hit a big home run, uh, and paid the ultimate price for it. He he Things got off-centered with the Isaiah Wilson draft pick. I think that was his biggest error and ultimately the one um, that had the, the longest effects on the Titans' future in the years that followed. <clears throat> All right, so uh, Andre had a super chat that's that's that we missed earlier that is uh, related to this. Uh, Sam, he says letting Conklin, um, uh, Corey Davis, Adoree Jackson, and Crookshank all walk. No first rounders resign. Conklin led to Wilson and Raiden sitting on hands at the deadline. So there's Andre there. So you know, I do think a lot of what you said is, and Nika says that's a long list of f ups. <laughs> uh, there, true, it is. Uh, and so what'd you call it? A butterfly effect is kind of what that uh, transitioned into. Yeah. I mean, it's what I said, like imagine, and I get hindsight's 2020 with this, but I sure. mean, just two picks later, four, three picks later, whatever you had back to back T Higgins and Michael Pittman jr. Now what happens if you, uh, Corey Davis is going to walk, you're going to let Corey Davis walk a year later or whatever, but what happens yeah. if you draft one of those guys there? What happens if you draft the defensive back there and you pull the trigger on Trayvon Diggs or Jalen Johnson? How does that change not only your defense or your offense over the last couple of years, but how does it change the reach on the Caleb Farley pick or whether or not you are able to bring A.J. Brown back? Like this all had an effect because if you have that wide receiver, you don't have to trade for Julio Jones. You might have more money for uh, A.J. Like 
it is that butterfly effect to me where I look at that draft pick. I'm like, you had a big, big opportunity yeah. to do that retool of the roster for the four or five year extended window. And it all kind of went downhill. So here's what I think happened on the Isaiah Wilson thing, because Isaiah Wilson is a big deal here, right? Because in that off season, that is right after the AFC championship appearance and loss to the chiefs. Jack Conklin signs a deal where the Browns paid him like $20 million in his first year. The Titans could not afford to play in that negotiation. That's okay. Like you have to make, you can't pay everybody. Jack Conklin was a good draft pick, but you can't pay everybody and you have to make those decisions. And they decided that Jack Conklin moving away from him was the right move. You had Dennis Kelly on the roster and you were picking 29th overall. So you're picking 29th overall. And so I think, and you talk about the wide receiver in that, um, in that 2020 NFL draft, there really wasn't a starting position on the team, completely glaring wide open with a big hole because you had AJ coming off of a rookie 1000 yard season. You had Corey Davis who was putting things together more. You had Jonu Smith who was putting things together Derek Henry is now arrived and he is the NFL rushing King. And you've got an offensive line with a right tackle spot where Dennis Kelly looks like he can help you out. And so you drafted Isaiah Wilson 29th overall, which was a reach. And it was a reach at the time. It was a reach, but I, I think I understand the thought process because Isaiah Wilson is every bit of 6'6", 320 pounds, and could move people, right? And he's 20 years old. And so you draft him in the first round at 29 overall, so you get the young, raw giant for five years. If you draft Isaiah Wilson in the second round, you only get this young giant for four years. So Christian Fulton was also somebody that was mocked to the Titans at 29 overall a lot that draft. So if you want to mentally think about Christian Fulton being picked 29th and Isaiah Wilson being picked in the 50s where Fulton was taken, I think you're like, okay, that makes some sense. But Isaiah Wilson was so catastrophic of a miss that it turned into a big situation because of the off-the-field situations, the just being inebriated and hung over at the facility, having the DUI when he's doing donuts, jumping off of a TSU campus balcony to try to avoid campus police, uh, being sent away from the team and taking that opportunity to party down in Miami with strippers and, and money and, and other things that were happening. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. But like, yeah. but the I think the problem... I can somewhat forgive the Isaiah Wilson pick. I think the biggest problem was the Dylan Raiden's whiff. Because make a mistake. And you made a mistake after being in the AFC Championship game. But his mistake on Isaiah Wilson compounded. And again, that is what Buck is reporting about Amy Adams Strunk's frustration. It was a compounding of mistakes. It was chasing mistakes. And you know this, if you're uh, with us at BetMGM, don't chase. If you, if you lose a bet, don't chase it. 
because that's how you continue to lose. And John Robinson lost a bet in Isaiah Wilson. That's okay. Just don't chase it. And he chased it with Dylan Radins. He Then he had to chase it with NPF. Then he had to chase it with some free agent signings like Kendall Lamb, like Jamarco Jones, like other guys that did not work out. And so I think the biggest mistake is the chasing of Isaiah Wilson. So if I, you want to single-handedly say it's it's Dylan Radins. Drafting Dylan Radins at 52 overall, I think it was, I think is the biggest mistake because of how bad Dylan Radins is compared to how bad you missed on Isaiah Wilson. Well, I think that almost proves the fact that Isaiah Wilson's the biggest error because like it, how bad that was forced John to chase, right? Like, and, and I want to, I want to say too, I think this is important. And, and this is where I think he really messed up uh, over this. You talked about there was not a position that glared when the Isaiah Wilson draft came along of like, okay, there is a need there. And that was part of the reason he took the gamble. Part of your job as general manager is to plan for the future. It's to understand the contract situations that you have on your roster and understand how you can utilize your draft picks to offset expiring contracts and know kind of what your two to three year plan is with your roster makeup. Mm-hmm. And the Isaiah Wilson draft pick showed a complete lack of a three-year plan to me or a two-year plan to me or even a one-year plan. Yeah, because I you disagree. didn't take a wide receiver. And within two, with, with two, by the way, Teagans and Michael Pittman Jr. were first-round talents that yeah. fell to the second round. They were available there for you to grab a fifth-year option on, take them in the first round. You didn't do it which you can say is fine, but then you cannot let Corey Davis walk, trade a panic trade for Julio Jones, and proceed to not pay A.J. Brown here long-term because that was your opportunity to get that talent. So it shows me a lack of planning on John Robinson for 2020, for 2022, rather, in 2020. He, if you let Corey Davis walk, that's fine, but you should have a draft pick of Corey Davis or Michael Pittman Jr., a top talent to go with A.J. Brown to extend this window. And it has been this process, like you said, of trying to chase mistakes after the fact that could have been avoided with planning. There was no planning. And that Isaiah Wilson pick is really the example to me of you could have gone so many different ways that prevented this from happening. And I agree with you on the Dylan Raidens and Mm – uh, how that was him chasing the mistake. But again, you had Taylor the one under contract at the time. And you had, you had guys on the roster that were a, like able so, to. Yeah, go I, ahead. But I actually, I disagree with this, with, with your take. I, I think, I think Isaiah Wilson was the, the two and three year plan. Like going back to that spot, Isaiah Wilson was 20 years old, was raw, but he was a, he's everything you wanted from a physical standpoint of a right tackle prospect and he played in the right offense in college he fit the Titans scheme the guy mentally was messed up and the Titans got duped by Isaiah Wilson 
and Sam Pittman. He's involved in this. They got duped by those two guys throughout that draft process that was the COVID process. They did not get uh, the regular in-person conversations and visits with these draft picks, ironically, parenthetically add. Uh, Darrington Evans was one of the few guys the Titans were able to have in the facility pre-COVID. And they drafted him, and he still sucked. So uh, Isaiah Wilson, I think, was the two- or three-year plan. Because going into that 2020 season, Lawan was the left tackle, Saffold left guard, Ben Jones center, Nate Davis was coming into his second year as your right guard, and Dennis Kelly was supposed to be your right tackle for the first few months until Isaiah Wilson, drafted 29th overall, could take over. That was the idea. It didn't work because Isaiah Wilson is was, at the time, somewhat unstable. And the Titans also gave Isaiah Wilson every resource personally to help him get through whatever he was doing, and it didn't happen. It didn't work, and it was a failure. But Isaiah Wilson was the two- to three-year plan, and the reason why the Titans have Dennis Daly starting at left, at left tackle right now, listen to this. This is the true domino butterfly effect. Why Dennis Daly is at left tackle right now is because of all these things. Isaiah Wilson didn't work out. You move on from Dennis Kelly because he was a a growing contract number and he was getting older with age and he hasn't really been effective since the Titans cut him. Then you draft Dylan Radins to be your right tackle. He can't do it. He's not good. He's now moved to guard. Now, what do you do? You have to draft NPF. And your plan was drafting NPF was that Lawan left tackle, Raiden's right tackle, NPF third round rookie can play both. Dylan Raiden's can't win the job over the third round rookie. They have to start the third round rookie NPF at right tackle. Taylor one goes down in week two. Dylan Raiden's you don't trust him. NPF your backup plan at left tackle is now starting at right tackle, and you got to go trade a fifth round pick for Dennis Daly. Voila! That is why Dennis Daly is your left tackle. It's because Dylan Raiden sucks. Dylan Raiden's is arguably a bigger miss as a draft pick than Isaiah Wilson. But you just said, you just said you thought he was the biggest bust in NFL history. Now you're saying Dylan Raiden's is worse. No, I think he's the bigger, he's the biggest miss singularly because it was the second Dylan Ray. Isaiah Wilson individually is the biggest bust in NFL draft history, but Dylan Raiden's, that whiff is hurting this team the most right now, outside of AJ Brown. Obviously, AJ Brown is crushing this team. I'd st- I'd still rather have a better pick at, over where Isaiah Wilson was picked and have one of those other guys on the roster <laughs> than do, uh, than yeah, than the Raiden's thing. I, I think those are not on the same playing field too. And I want to say too, uh, I do like what you said about the putting your eggs in, in some of these baskets because, and, and this, this plan. So number one, the Isaiah Wilson, you said that was his three-year plan. If it's your three-year plan, you don't reach that much. Like I don't want you to reach for a left tackle at 29 overall for uh, your three-year plan. Take the best players and get younger and just sustain it. That, so, like, right, that so is what I, I want to go back to your, um, so you had your list of 2020 draft picks that happened after Isaiah Wilson. Yeah. I want to go through those again to figure out what the actual move could have, should have been if Isaiah Wilson was not the pick, because I do, I do think there's some recency 
bias that's throwing off a little bit of what the actual team need was uh, in that spot. So again, uh, we're going to go through this. We got a lot of stuff. I mean, this is, we're already 50 minutes into the show and Sam, we got more things to get to here. I want to preface this by, by when I wrote these names down, these are the names that I put down because they are playmakers that the Titans were either in need of at the time or within the next year or two made a move of a similar like goal, just not as well. All right. So we'll get to those players here in a second, but let me tell you guys about farm bureau health plans. You can plan on them uh, for your long-term plan. Maybe uh, Isaiah Wilson was not the right long-term plan for the Titans at right tackle, but I'll tell you what farm bureau health plans. Absolutely is the right long-term plan for you and whatever you need from your health coverage. They've been serving Tennesseans for over 75 years. Hey, Zach is closing in on his first full year with Farm Bureau Health Plans, and he saved 20%. Think about 20%. Do you even know what you're paying for your health coverage? So after the show, go look at what you're paying every month for health coverage, add that up for 12 months, and then take 20% out of that and put it back in your pocket. That's what Zach has done over the last 12 months with Farm Bureau Health Plans. And they can do it for you, and it's also better coverage. Zach gets uh, he gets allowance uh, for his contacts. He gets to go get free teeth cleanings at the dentist. Uh, he's got that vision. He's got his overall health coverage for a lower rate and actual service and actual coverage. So go check him out again. It's super easy to do it because they're sprinkled all over the state with 200-plus locations and serving Tennesseans for now over 75 years fbhp.com slash atoz today's show is powered by bet mgm bet mgm is the king of sports books and they're offering a risk-free bet on pro football up to one thousand dollars with promo code atoz sports on the bet mgm app you go into the app you use that promo code when you make your deposit you place your bet if it doesn't hit no worries it's risk-free that money goes back into your bet mgm account you get another chance to win No reason not to do it when it's risk-free. That is the big uh, thing that keeps people from getting involved in the sports gambling space. Well, BetMGM has it covered. That is why they're the king of sportsbooks. So A to Z Sports, A-T-O-Z Sports is the promo code on the BetMGM app. Risk-free bet up to $1,000 on pro football. All right, Sam, let's go through your uh, 2020 post-Isaiah Wilson draft uh, options that the Titans could have had. Yeah, I'm... G Press TV so it puts a couple of them uh, in here, and I don't even have some of these down. I didn't have Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, down on here, but these are the players, like I said, the Titans either needed at the time, uh, and you that was reflected in some of the other draft picks they made, or they, in the next year or two following the Isaiah Wilson draft, we saw them make supplementary moves that could have been solved by drafting these players. Drafted after Isaiah Wilson, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cole Komet, Chase Claypool, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, Jalen Hurts. Those are all all second-round picks. I I think Jalen Hurts is out, right? You don't include Jalen Hurts in this because um, Ryan Tannehill, if you remember – got the contract in March before that draft. Derrick Henry at the time was under the franchise tag, which goes into why missing yeah. on Darrington Evans was even worse uh, for that third round pick. But so there, Jalen Hurts is not an option. And let's also say this. Signing Ryan Tannehill was not a mistake to that contract. 
it's it got worse with the Julio Jones trade where you had to restructure Tannehill's contract. But signing Ryan Tannehill was the right move. The yeah, the Ryan Tannehill thing. I said this at the time was like yeah. it was the it was the only move you could have made a, after that season and how that season ended. Um, and the future at quarterback for the Titans was Ryan Tannehill. You had to sign him. And it was a contract that when you signed it, you probably said, this is probably going to suck on the back end and might not actually work out uh, all the way. But it's a move you had to make at the time. So I do agree with that, that it was, and then it was also, a necessity. Yeah, and somebody said that, uh, remember, John Robinson picked up Marcus Mariota's fifth-year option. Now, that was also the correct move, too. And then you also, again, good GMing. John Robinson did plenty of that pre-2020 offseason. Because good GMing was having Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill in the same quarterback room for only like $21 million. Like that's a steal. Yeah. So that is good GMing in that situation. All right, back to the other. So we remove Hertz from that list. Let's yeah, go so let's through start, the other. Let's start at the top. Yeah. T. Higgins and Michael Pittman Jr. So here's where I, I don't think – that's I mean, T Higgins is great. And I think people in the state know of T Higgins a lot because he grew up outside of Knoxville. He spurned Tennessee Vols and went to Clemson and helped Clemson be a college football playoff team for multiple years. So that, that sucks. And T Higgins just caught a hundred yards and a touchdown on you two weeks ago in your stadium. So maybe that's also Amy Adams shrunk watching another wide receiver. The Titans passed up, uh, hurt them in a game too. So, but again, remember, the three wide receivers that were on the roster under contract going into that draft were A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys. So I don't think a first-round wide receiver was the right move in the 2020 draft. And Adam Humphreys had a solid first year with the Titans. So when you look at, at A.J. off his rookie year, then you have Corey Davis going into the last year. That's fine. But Corey Davis and then Adam Humphreys, I think a, another it, wide, a wide receiver at 29 is a luxury at that point. No, what it comes down to, like, what it comes down to for me, though, is what I said. A year later, you didn't even make Corey Davis an offer. He was gone. Adam Humphreys, gone. So your room got depleted, uh, and you then, like... So within yeah, two but you years also of didn't that, know, you didn't you didn't bring in you didn't bring back Corey Davis or AJ Brown and you didn't do anything to replace them. But again, Sam, Sam, like we didn't know when you're drafting 29th overall and T. Higgins is sitting there, like you didn't know that Adam Humphreys was going to get like multiple concussions from taking illegal hits to the head the next season that really scrambled his career. Like and again, Adam Humphreys played 12 games coming off that 2019 season. And was productive, had a good rapport going. He had an injury that he dealt with, but he came back and was doing some good stuff. And you thought, hey, Tannehill can now build on this. And you also had Jonu Smith, who was building on this. And so I think at the point, uh, they should have spent a mid-round pick on a wide receiver that draft, but not a first-round pick. Well, I mean, but it comes down to what you said. There was no position of need. Right. So why not take the best player available? Yeah, I, Isaiah I, Wilson was an absolute reach. Yeah. John Robinson trying to hit a home run. Uh, it felt like a panic pick at the time. It was it, it was him trying to get too cute uh, when taking the best player available, the most talented players. There's a whole list of guys right at that point in the draft that would have helped this team. So you go to the defensive backs. Yeah, Trayvon Diggs and Jalen Johnson. Trayvon Diggs was that late. They were both in the second round. They went back to back. 
Chicago and Dallas to Jalen Johnson and Trayvon Diggs. I forgot about Trayvon Diggs being that weight. So that's another one, right? It, it, it was something that you were going to need in the future. Uh, you took Christian Fulton just in the next round. So it was a need at the time. And you have two guys now where if your current uh, secondary had either one of those guys, you would be. Yeah, but again, like, let's also. And, and then you don't have to draft Caleb Farley the next well, year. But you, but you also don't draft Christian Fulton. So, like, I get what you're saying. And I think Titans fans would probably say Trayvon Diggs is better than Christian Fulton. You know, if you want to go. Look, they're both good players in the NFL. Christian Fulton is a good player. I like Christian Fulton a lot and what he can do. He's got to stay healthy. Absolutely. All of those things. Uh, but and if you have you, a fifth-year option on either one of those guys. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you draft Johnson or Diggs, then you don't draft Fulton in the second round, which maybe you go do something else that you can use now, right? And you don't, you might not take Caleb Farley the next year, especially with the way both Jalen Johnson and Trayvon Diggs kind of hit immediately. You like they were not needed. No, you still, you still needed another corner because you're removing, if you take Diggs or Johnson, you take out Fulton. You still need another corner. Yeah. No, I'm just saying like Fulton was kind of an unknown quantity for some period of time. If Trayvon Diggs comes out and has that 10 interception or whatever it was, ridiculous rookie season all of a sudden you might use that draft pick on something else, knowing that you can anchor your secondary behind Amani Hooker, Kevin Byard, and uh, Trayvon Diggs, Jalen Johnson, whoever the draft pick is there, because he, they came out and produced immediately, but that's another one. All right. Yeah, uh, And then uh, somebody also says, Adrian says, uh, should have kept Logan Ryan. No, you didn't keep Logan Ryan because Logan Ryan could no longer play cornerback. Logan Ryan continued his NFL career as a safety and the Titans were fine at safety with the trio of Byard, Hooker and Crookshank. So that was unnecessary as well. Uh, so, you know, Fulton there, that's that. So what's the next position? Uh, well, okay. I one wide receiver. I didn't have, you already gave your thoughts on my receiver. Chase Claypool went about 10 picks after yeah. Isaiah Wilson. Talk about a guy that Mike Vrabel would like to go block downfield. Uh, Chase Claypool would be a, a nice guy there. But uh, I had the other guy I had down was Cole Komet and the issues uh, with the Titans cycling out of the Jonu Smith era um, and, and the tight end things. And Cole Komet is a, a tr tremendous blocker continuing to grow in Chicago as a pass catcher, but he's just a big, big target that I think could have fit really nicely in this run first offense. Um had they done that, uh, so thoughts on that? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it. I back into the first round. I mean, he was the number one tight end in that draft as a slam yeah. dunk. So again, I still think it's a it's a, you know it's a hindsight thing. I think receivers a luxury pick. I think corner, but is that what is, made that them. was a luxury pick though. You said it yourself. Like they didn't have a need, so it like but that's a luxury pick. You had just come to the AFC Championship game. That's a luxury pick. So but, pick a luxury. Yeah, and and I think the philosophy is, and this I've heard both John Robinson and Mike Vrabel say something along these lines. You draft big guys and game-changing athletes in the first round because there's just not that many human beings like them. So you draft big dudes and playmakers. Jeffrey Simmons, Isaiah Wilson, big dudes as playmakers and the Caleb Foley thing is a completely different situation because of, again, I think that was a uh, confidence flex of John. I think John Robinson drafted Caleb Foley because he thought he had more stability in his job than he ended up having. 
Yeah, I I love that you said that because that brings me to a point that I'm I really want to hammer home. Okay. Because I I I have said this. I said this during training camp when we did our training camp, uh, like our live shows at training camp. I said this in the season preview. I've said this throughout the season, and I'm going to say it after John Robinson's fired as the Titans general manager. The overall biggest problem with John Robinson is the fact that he gambled on himself too often and failed. He went in to that draft, reached on Isaiah Wilson as a flex of, I can, it was a gamble on this guy that he thought was going to be a home run. He did the exact same thing on Dylan Radins. He did the exact same thing on Caleb Farley. Guys that you knew, that is risky, but John Robinson wanted to gamble. He let AJ Brown walk and he wanted to gamble on Traylon Burks and the immediate impact of Traylon Burks. He let all of those offensive linemen that you rattled through with Jack Conklin and Roger Saffold, he let them walk and he gambled by replacing them with Aaron Brewer, trying to get clever as, look, I can throw an athlete at left guard and be even better. Look at me. I'm so creative. He got clever. He gambled and every gamble failed. And then he chased his bet and failed. And it has started to spiral on him where like, Going into the year, I said the Titans are going to be so heavily reliant on their rookie class. They are counting on Traylon Burks and Kyle Phillips and Chigakonkwo to make impacts. They need Nicholas Petit-Ferrer to be their starting right tackle. They need basically a rookie and Caleb Farley and Roger McCreary to be locked down corners and starters in their secondary. And that was the situation that uh, he seemed persistent uh, of putting them in instead of retaining some of the established talent he had in Tennessee or going and getting more bonafide veteran talent. So that, but, and I think ultimately that was his undoing over the past year or two. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, like I said, at the top of the show, we've had a great show today and we still got stuff to get to. There's a lot of fun, you know, a lot of fun topics. Again, I don't want to call it fun uh, because yes, John Robinson lost a job that he cared about very deeply. Um, and so that does suck overall. And I do feel for him and his family because of how much that, uh, J Rob did for this community in Nashville and across the state and for Titans fans. Um, so yeah, we did, we missed another super chat. I'll let Sam scroll back up, uh, to go find, I, I don't know if it's, chat. if I can still find it, uh, if it was this one, letting Quentin Spain go was big too. Uh, G pressure. Put it back in the chat, and I will pin it, and we'll, yeah, we'll make and you sure. You don't that. have to. You don't have to. No, spend you don't have to read. Do, donate. Just say what you yeah. said, and yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah. it. So I'll um, be on the lookout for it. So it, it's it's it, again that's going back to Buck Rising's report this morning at a to z sports.com. According to sources, Robinson's compounding mistakes have been wearing on Tennessee's ownership for some time, and it's the it's the compounding. It's the continual. I also think there's another. You mentioned what was the term you used of the gamble uh, and yeah. cleverness. I also think John Robinson got too caught up in value, too caught up in the word value when it came to draft picks because he had so much success with Jayon Brown, David Long Jr., Amani Hooker, Nate Davis, and others, and Dane Crookshank of value draft picks. He got caught up in the value of Caleb Farley uh, being falling to 22 because the athlete he is and the value on that. He got too caught up in the value 
of, um, you know, a couple of these free agent contracts, the value of Aaron Brewer being an undrafted free agent and relying on him, the $2 stake, to play left guard. The value of NWI, an undrafted free agent wide receiver, being a professional and knowing how to play all the spots and work hard and do these things instead of the talent. At, at one point, J-Rob got caught up in value instead of talent, and that's another thing that hurt him too. And the value of having a rookie wide receiver playing the same role as a guy that was going to get a hundred million dollars. And so it it was how John Robinson associated value to position to establish talent, uh, which went into the AJ Brown trade where like, obviously we, as we've talked about throughout the show, it was a domino after domino after domino. Uh, We have it from G fresh here, Caleb Farley, uh, P, uh, PFF 42.5 missed out on Tyson Campbell, Greg Newsom, Asante Samuels Jr. Same draft. Yeah. Greg Newsom was just a couple picks after him too. I think it was like three or four picks after him. Yeah. And Greg Newsom has been okay. Um, he has like, again, no, I, you know, I don't really know if any of those guys are like first round pick type of performance, but Caleb Farley's just been I mean, Tyson Campbell is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't remember the conversation of Tyson Campbell, right? It's like we have to, you know, wh- where was Tyson Campbell's draft stock at? Because, yeah, you know, no, all these, yeah, it's there's always going to be a gem somewhere that you could yeah. have had. I mean, because, you know, we haven't mentioned this, um, you know, because Tyson Campbell was drafted uh, in the second round by the Jags. I'm trying to fit, find the over the, the 33. So he was drafted pretty high. Um, you know, as, as that, that, that pick by the Jags. So I just don't remember him having a lot of buzz. I remember when the, when the Jags drafted Tyson Campbell, you're kind of like, Oh, I mean, that's probably a little bit of a reach, uh, but he's turned into a good price. I, I feel like you said the same thing about Caleb Farley though, of like, uh, we'll see. I mean, it's either going to be the best pick of the draft or the worst pick of the draft. Yeah, like, it ended up being the worst pick of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> I, there was another a question thing, because here. for every, for every miss that John Robinson had, like guys, you know, remember the guy did find Kevin Byard. The guy did go out and draft a lot of great players throughout the years. Yeah. Derek Henry, uh, he drafted, um, you know, the whole 2019 draft outside of uh, DeAndre Walker was great. Jayon Brown was great. You know, even in his first draft, finding Tajay Sharp in the fifth round to come help the team get better immediately was really good and really good GMing. He missed on a lot, but he had a lot of wins. Amani Hooker was great too. The trade for Tannehill was was brilliant uh, for how that was able to set this up. The drafting and development of Janu. Uh, the trading away of Jarrell Casey was also really smart. Uh, I've seen that in the chat. I, I was curious what your thought on that was. So, that was a, a good lot of the GM chat... move. Okay. Trading away Jarrell Casey was very smart because – that saved the Titans $27, $30 million over the longevity of Casey's contract, and Darrell Casey hit a wall. So here's a question, too, real quick. I want to I wanna get your take on this. I don't know where I necessarily go on this or if I have an answer for it, but I think it's an interesting conversation because we talked about why now, and we're going to play a video of Ian Rappaport talking uh, a little bit uh, – I tweeted yesterday, we talked about it on the show yesterday that the Titans made this move because of 
One, to get ahead on the search for a new general manager. That's why they did it now and not in the offseason, as well as there is a new uh, – there, there are college meetings coming up for your general manager. So if, if Amy Adams-Strunk had decided she was going in a different direction – at GM, it made no sense to have John Robinson do those meetings for the Titans organization when he wasn't going to be here to make the draft pick. Uh, but uh, Ian Rappaport kind of had another reason why he felt like uh, the the Titans made this move now. And then I want to get to this question. Does this hurt or help the locker room for mm. the Titans doing it now? Um, a couple things that we want to get to there, but we, we need to, sh- I think we need to, Go over Rappaport's philosophy yeah. first, too, Austin, on why they might have done this now. Another reason from an NFL insider. Absolutely. So, uh, by the way, make sure you like the show if you're watching on YouTube. Had a great YouTube audience yesterday. Facebookers, love to have you guys as well. Like the video, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Give us a thumbs up, please. We appreciate it. That helps us, helps the algorithm, helps us grow, and helps us do more things as a company. So give us a like there on Facebook and YouTube, especially. So if you're watching on your phone on YouTube, you might have to exit out of that live chat, hit that thumbs up button and pop the live chat back up there. Uh, so let's play this from Ian Rapport, which I thought was an interesting comment from the NFL insiders on NFL network uh, yesterday afternoon. So I was wondering about the timing of this. Do you think it's possible that, they maybe made this decision to make sure that they didn't go deep into the playoffs. Like if you were going to fire them and you had some doubts and they go deep in the playoffs and win, you can't fire. Like only reason this makes sense now is to make sure that you do it before they start winning playoff games. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's an interesting point that Rappaport brought up and, and Sam, I'll toss it over to you in a second. Like do you buy or sell that? Because you know what you said right before we played the video of, you know, December 5th, December 4th, all the bowl games come out in college football. College football players start to make decisions on opt-outs of bowl games. You start setting the groundwork for your scouting department for uh, the senior bowl, other type of uh, bowl games that college players participate in, to go into the combine and throughout that entire process. And I, I think – uh, you know, the Titans not allowing J-Rob to do that work just to have somebody else come in and have to redo it makes a lot of sense. But what do you think about Rappaport's comment? Um, I am selling it. I don't necessarily put a lot of stock into it. I think, like, th- maybe there is a little bit of an element of, like, it, he is right. Like, if you win one or two playoff games, regardless of how the regular season went or your frustrations, John Robinson can say, look, we went back to the AFC championship game. We're not going backwards. We're, we're, we're just figuring it out and retooling. There's a plan. And then it makes it very difficult to do what you want to do. But this is not a, uh, the reason that this is happening now, I think is more calculated on Amy Adams Strunk's part. It, it is a, let's get uh, Ryan Cowden in here functioning with player personnel Let's get Ryan Cowden uh, in these meetings for the organization. Let's start this search and get ahead of it. And let's make a statement because uh, that that A.J. Brown game made a statement. And I think maybe the public embarrassment of it for the Strunk family kind of had a, uh, I don't know. It might have pushed them over the top. Uh, We do have to get to a couple super chats here before they go away. Philip Maddox wants to know, you think J-Rob taking Farley over Elijah Moore had any effect on why AJ wasn't giving the Titans a hometown discount? It was rumored Moore was on the board if he was the pick. I think AJ felt lied to. 
I don't put a lot of stock into that. I, I don't know. I don't either. I mean, I think uh, Elijah Moore hasn't had the greatest career with the Jets, but I, he would have been a better pick at 22 overall than Caleb Farley was. And I think AJ, the AJ Brown situation was just something that it, you know kind of isn't to itself um, uh, there. But I also wanted to get to uh, Eric's uh, uh, super chat here. I don't know if y'all covered it, but it was also reported that Amy Adams Strunk was not happy with what would not being involved in the AJ Brown trade. And we have that uh, that article, Jack Gentry put that together on a to z sports.com. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick and I can uh, text that link into the uh, comment section for you guys to check that out after the show of what Adam Schefter said. And, you know, I, this is a, this was going to be a part of my shade that I was going to throw um, because Adam Schefter was going through a report and talking about what he was hearing from the Titans about. Amy Adams Strunk wanting to be more involved in some conversations, but Ryan Clark cut off Adam Schefter. Ryan Clark interjected and had a comment about AJ Brown that threw off what Adam Schefter was going to say. And that frustrated me because I was like, damn it, Ryan, like you just ruined something important that Schefter was going to say. Because after Clark interrupted Schefter, and you guys can go read that at a to z sports.com. I just dropped the link there in the chat. So Schefter was like saying that, yeah, the AJ Brown trade, uh, you know, there were some other things. And Ryan was like, yeah, AJ Brown, I would have been the same way too. And then Schefter had to like collect himself and didn't say it as directly as I had hoped. And you never know what Schefter would have said if he didn't have to reset because he, you know, it was something where Schefter then had to kind of say, you know, uh, she would have liked to be more involved in conversations that was slightly not directly saying, yeah, she was not on board with the AJ trade. And I think Ryan Clark kind of messed that up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think uh, John Robinson, like we dispel the narrative that like John Robinson made the AJ Brown trade without consulting ownership. You always ownership knows if you're trading a superstar, that doesn't necessarily mean it was her first option or she was all the way on board, but she might've placed some trust in John and said, you know what, John, you have a plan. Take it away. Like, this is your plan. That's what I hire you to do. And John probably said, this is what you, what you hire me to do, what you pay me to do. I've got a plan. We're going to be fine. And, uh, uh, she has seen over this season that it has not worked out how John Robinson would have thought. And yeah. they probably were much better off doing the extension. And it might've boiled over of kind of a, Hey, I told you so. Like yeah. I knew better. I need to be more involved. My opinion needs to be heard. That can be frustrating for sure. Well, you got a super quick, coming let me, in. Let me add to that before you get to this, because I, right. Amy has been very vocal about she, her job as the controlling owner of the Titans is to hire people to do a great job. And she wants them to do what she hires them to do. Amy Adams Strunk does not want to micromanage. She wants the people to be able to, to do their job that they're being paid for, but there's also consequences. Yep. It's if your job is not being done, she now can say, look, this was you. I let this, you, yeah. I, I stayed out it. of it. I let you do it. And you did, and you messed it up. That's on you. And then now she has the ability to, to go fire whoever she wants. All right. TJ. I still want to know who in this organization can't see that Todd Downing needs to go with the super chat. TJ, I think uh, they realize it. I, I think it is the writing is on the wall for Todd Downing to no longer be the offensive coordinator of the Titans. I think Mike Vrabel 
has a philosophy where he does not want to make a change in play caller in the middle of the season because of the effects that can have uh, with the on-field product. Um, we we went over this yesterday in our immediate reaction to the John Robinson firing news, but the reason John Robinson was fired midseason and Todd Downing has not been moved on from midseason is because John Robinson's job is done. I mean, it's going to be a lot of releasing Wyatt Ray from the practice squad and activating somebody from injured reserve, which is really what the Titans did yesterday Mm -hmm. uh, with Ryan Cowden now taking over player personnel. But changing a play caller has pretty a, a pretty significant impact on your team on the field. Um, and I think Mike Vrabel just has a philosophy against that. So I'm not sure it's that they don't realize he needs to be gone, but more of you're still on track to win the division. You're still going to host a playoff game. You want to keep things as consistent as possible to put your best foot forward for those games. Yeah. And another thing I want to get to before we move on to throwing shade <clears throat> uh, is that today um, Mike Vrabel will talk to the media. And that happens in almost two, just two hours away, Sam. So Sam yeah. will be at that press conference at 11.40 a.m. Central Time. And then uh, Vrabel will talk. And then you'll have Ryan Tannehill will discuss uh, things. And, and that'll be very interesting to see what's said from those two guys. Again, Buck reported this morning at A2ZSports.com uh, that according to sources, there was zero undermining or, or lobbying from Mike Vrabel to have John Robinson fired. So that is important to continue to remember. John, uh, John Robinson was not fired because Mike Vrabel went to Amy Adams Strunk to say that. This was an Amy Adams Strunk decision, the ownership situation at this time. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well there uh, for uh, the, the media availability. So Sam, I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be a fun press conference. I'm sure it will be packed with uh, some really good quotes and some really interesting insight from Mike Vrabel, both on how this process with John kind of went down, what his, uh, we know there was no lobbying from Mike Vrabel's perspective, but we also kind of felt like he had to be in the know, at least with how Amy Adams Strunk was feeling towards uh, J-Rob and and the job that he was doing as general manager. And then with the reports coming out yesterday that she's going to be giving Mike Vrabel more power um, with personnel decisions see what his comments are on that in the direction of the franchise. Want to respond to Patrick real quick saying, can it actually be any worse letting Tim Kelly call plays? Maybe not, uh, but this is not the decision to keep Todd Downing as an offensive coordinator, as the offensive coordinator, like it or not, is not about having better play calling immediately. And it's not saying that it, it'll be worse with Tim Kelly. It's more of consistency, John Robinson is out of sight, out of mind for a lot of these players. Like it, it, they have relationships with him. They will feel it. They all love John Robinson as a human being. Uh, That is absolutely the case for these guys. They have great connections with him, but you feel it a lot less when it's somebody that you don't work with directly every day. And if you're Ryan Tannehill or this offensive line or whoever it is for the Titans offense, you work directly with Todd Downing to plan each and every step of each and every game uh, directly with him. So removing him from the equation at this point in time might rattle the cage a little bit. And Mike Vrabel doesn't seem like he wants to do that. Some coaches have a different philosophy. They say, you know what? We need something to change. We're going to make a change. 
That's not Mike Vrabel's philosophy. He believes in keeping things as consistent, handling that in the offseason. That's what I expect them to do. All right, so we'll find out more from Mike Vrabel today, talking to the media at 1140, just two hours from now. So let's go ahead, Sam, and get to throwing shade. I'm sure you guys have a ton of shade to throw. I do as well, but let me tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you get hurt in life, you got to know who to turn to and who to trust to get you back to health and back living your normal, active, great life that it is. And the Bone & Joint Institute Got you covered in Franklin, boneandjointtn.org. Today's show is powered by BetMGM, and BetMGM is offering you a risk-free bet up to $1,000 on pro football when you use the promo code A-T-O-Z Sports on the BetMGM app. They are the king of sportsbooks for a reason. You cannot really find offers like this anywhere else, just risk-free on the sport that everybody loves most, that's pro football. So this weekend, find an NFL pick, place it, and place it on BetMGM. Use the promo code ATOZ Sports, and your pick can be risk-free up to $1,000. All right, time to throw some shade. All right, lots of shade to be thrown and a ton of uh, comments coming in overall. So uh, you know, let's see, throwing shade. Uh, uh, Miro says throwing shade on national media for just now noticing the AJ Brown situation. Uh, so that's Mr. Jones and several of you other guys. I brought. I knew shade. I knew you would like this one. I pinned that for you because I knew you'd like it. This is my shade. My shade is on the Heisman voters. And it's not about the 70 touchdowns and five picks that Hendon Hooker's had. That's not even true stats. It's like 57 and five uh, for touchdowns there. But my shade is on Stetson freaking Bennett being a Heisman finalist over a guy like Hendon Hooker. Stetson Bennett does not deserve to be in New York as one of the four Heisman finalists. Heisman voters who included Stetson Bennett in their top three do not deserve to have Heisman votes moving forward because they're missing the point. That's lazy. It's ridiculous. It's flat out bad. And it's not paying attention. Stetson Bennett is the quarterback on the best team in the country. Stetson Bennett is not the best player on his team. Stetson Bennett is not the best player on his offense. Stetson Bennett isn't the second best player on his offense. Stetson Bennett doesn't have any numbers that are comparable to Hendon Hooker, CJ Stroud, Max Duggan, or the eventual Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. Stetson Bennett does not need to be in New York. Hendon Hooker got robbed. Hendon Hooker had way better numbers than Stetson Bennett this year, in two less games. Stetson Bennett, without him, Georgia is probably okay. Without Hendon Hooker, Tennessee is probably winning seven games. Hendon Hooker deserves to be a Heisman finalist and tearing his ACL in week 11 with 31 points on the scoreboard is not fair. Like, Hendon Hooker is, is getting punished because Spencer Rattler put 63 points on the Vols defense. Hendon Hooker still had 31 points on the board with an entire quarter to go. Hendon Hooker had a game against Vanderbilt where he would have like really put up some numbers uh, and, and 
it just flat out sucks. The Heisman is a sham. Why is Stetson Bennett one of the four finalists? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I don't have a problem with the other three. I don't think Hinton Hooker should win the Heisman this year. I just know that Stetson Bennett should not be in New York over Hinton Hooker. That's my shit. We need to play a new drinking game where you take a shot every time Austin says Stetson Bennett. Oh, I, he just makes me cringe. There was a lot of Stetson Bennett's with a lot of angst in your voice there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm I'm on the fence about it. Like, it, it, Stet- I get, like- I get. Hendon Hooker's the better quarterback, but like when you're the quarterback of the best team in college football and you're the defending national champion you tend to get those uh, attaboys a little bit more than and the, the one-year lazy. Guy. That is lazy. And, and my shade specifically is that Stetson Bennett over Hendon Hooker discredits those Heisman Trophy voters. It's about them. Because here's how the Heisman Trophy voting works. Because I know Brent Doherty, Don Davenport, who we know, they're Heisman voters. How it works is every Heisman voter lists three names in order. One, two, three. And, and your first place vote gets three points. Second place gets two points. Third place gets one point, And you put it all in. And they take the top four or five to New York. Stetson Bennett is a top four for all the Heisman voters. Like, are you serious? It's so lazy. Yeah, I think where it might come down to it is, like, I'd be interested in seeing the breakdown of, like, these people are not voting to give him the Heisman, but... I think a lot of these voters probably look at it as I have four players that I get three. to pick. Three. Oh, three. they pick three. Three. Oh, but even which so, is, which if, makes if, it even worse. But if you if you have three players you get to pick, they probably look at it as well. I I have to throw a bone and the third place spot to the bet like the quarterback on the best team. No, you don't. No, you don't. I no, mean, you whether don't. you whether you think that or not, I'm just saying that's what you don't they have think. to do anything. This is this is it's who is the most outstanding player in college football that fits. These categories recognizes the most outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. The winners of the trophy epitomize ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. So again, outstanding player is the top. All the other intangible stuff, Stetson Minute can fix and, and can, can check those boxes, but he's not that outstanding. He's playing on an offense full of five-star talent and, he is distributing. He's facilitating. Look, they're going to win a national championship this year, and Stetson Bennett will have two of those rings, but that doesn't mean he needs to be a Heisman finalist. He's nowhere near one of the most outstanding players in college football. Blake Corum and Hinton Hooker got robbed. I do want to just – I have to acknowledge this comment because, one, Caleb Williams is spelled wrong. Two, he is amazing. I think he's the best quarterback in college football. So – uh, he's going to win the Heisman this year, probably next year, and he's probably going to go number one in the draft. So that's pretty amazing to me. That's just my take on Caleb Williams. All right, so I have a meeting coming up in, in like 15 minutes. Yeah, so we, what we is wrap. I mean, I don't have – I like this out of Devin just saying drink. drink. Another one says drink. Uh, I don't have a huge shade, I don't think. I, I thought of – well, I had one in my head, and then I got too caught up on your Stetson Bennett rant. Time out. Eric Alonzo. He says, Hooker is damn near 30 years old playing against 18-year-olds. Eric, Stetson Bennett is older than Hendon Hooker. Drink. Stetson Bennett Drink. is a high – How about this? How about this just to blow your mind? Stetson Bennett Drink. is a Heisman finalist in 2022. Stetson Bennett was born 
1997. Lamar Jackson was a Heisman finalist in 2016. Lamar Jackson was also born in 1997. All right. There you have it. Uh, I'll shade. I'll shade. uh, I have a shade. Okay, bring it. You're not going to like it. I'm shading Tennessee Volunteers fans. Okay. Not for the not for the Hendon Hooker deal because I think you have a gripe. I specifically I'm going to shade one person in particular. I don't think he knows this is coming. Zach Reagan. Ooh. Because I I was watching intercompany shade. I was I was I was sitting in the living room writing out a Titans article, trying to watch some college football, enjoying a Saturday, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I just see Zach Reagan complaining about Max Duggan and Max Duggan throws an interception. If you watch that performance, Max Duggan had one of the better, uh, one of the more impressive college football efforts I've seen this season. He put that team on his back. Very, very tough, resilient effort. Yeah, absolutely. He throws an interception after getting drilled and Zach Reagan has to take the Twitter to say, by the way, Max Duggan now has double the interceptions of Hendon Hooker. He's got four interceptions. And, and like, by the way, he's got half the losses, played two more games. This is what Tennessee fans do, Austin, that turns me off to Tennessee. Because I'm I, I'm completely unbiased on this. I don't really back SEC at all. So I was open-minded to the Tennessee wave, and I enjoyed it at the beginning of the year. Everything has to be about Tennessee at all times. Embrace it. And there is a inferiority complex a little brother syndrome of nobody else can get any love we can't enjoy what max duggan is doing we can't celebrate the horn frogs we can't just enjoy college football without being like well tennessee needs to be ranked sixth and not seventh in alabama we beat alabama Wah. and i just shut up nobody cares you lost twice you gave up 60 to south carolina shut up you're not in the college football playoff. I'm I'm done with it. I'm like I don't care, and I hate seeing it. And I like so I had to text Reagan, and I just said like, "What is this tweet? What does this mean? Why is this out here? Why is this in the ether?" Because I oh, it drives me nuts. It strikes a nerve. Like, not everything is a slight against Tennessee. And I, I had to get that off my chest. Well, that's, that's I, I, and, and look, it's fair. It's absolutely fair uh, shade there. But I, again, yeah, you don't have the historical context of what uh, Tennessee fans have gone through over the last 15 years. And there's a lot of just, there's a lot of the opposite too. There's a lot of national piling on Tennessee when it's unnecessary. And so that is why it, it's a condition. Tennessee Vol fans are conditioned to act this way because of what the last 15 years have been. And so that's, that's all it is. Uh, but I do got to go. Like, seriously, right, yeah, like, we, we have been we'll, live we'll for an, an hour and 34 minutes. Yeah. Send us and out I, of here. We had a lot to talk about. Big <laughs> yes, show today. But... <laughs> all right. So we got to go. Thanks everybody for watching the show. Tons of great stuff. We're going to have continued great content around the firing of John Robinson. There's a ton of articles on a to Z sports.com from a bunch of different angles from all of our writers there that cover the Titans. And as well as Sam going to the press conference and now under two hours with Mike Vrabel at 1140 and Ryan Tannehill in open locker room. So make sure you tune into our YouTube channel, like the show before you go. All of that press conference content will be up on YouTube later on. We'll see you guys later on. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it as always.